hello and welcome to the APW Property Pod, episode 10. I'm Callum Williamson and I'm here today with... Stuart Williamson. Stuart, how are you? Uh, I'm very pleased to have got to 10 podcasts. It's like the market wrap, really. It took a while to get going, but once it got up and running, it got a momentum of its own. And I think we're getting there now with this. So I'm pleased that we're doing it. Do you know how many people are actually downloading it? Do we know that? Downloading the podcast? Hmm. I don't actually. We'll have to ask our um, our high tech digital marketing guy. I know. I know the figures on the YouTube's and the market wraps. I think we're up to total views on those over twenty two thousand, um, which is pretty amazing considering we started. What was it as a way to keep people in touch when we first went into lockdown? So March last year, and obviously we started a page with no one following it and no market wraps. And now, you know, you're getting what 500 plus views on each one every week and good, good comments and people are finding it useful. So, um, so it's jolly well done. Yeah. Amazing. How it takes a life of its own, but I mean, I'm trying to, I was looking at some comments on there and someone said, relaxed and informative. And I think that's what we, as a business, try and try and be relaxed and informative and help people get into the market in that format. There's no point in overcomplicating things and making things you know, frightening. And at the same time, there's no point dumbing it down because your average person we're dealing with is an intelligent individual, even, even might I say it, ourselves. So let's crack on. Let's talk tax. Yeah, well, that is the subject of this conversation uh, or this podcast today, I think, is tax. Um, namely how can we which is the one you're not allowed to do you're not allowed to avoid or evade tax you can't evade it you can avoid it but you can't evade it okay so we're talking about avoiding tax all legal but stuff you can do to minimize the different taxes you've got on property so the 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 three we're going to focus on in the main are iht otherwise known as inheritance tax or known as inheritance tax iht for short Capital gains tax, which is CGT for short, and income tax. Um, and then we'll look at stamp duty as well, but there's not much you can do to avoid that because it's a tax on entry, isn't it? Yes, that is. And it is a bad tax. You know, it needs to be fixed because it stops people moving around. It stops people taking jobs that otherwise take because they can't sell their house because they have to pay stamp duty on the new one. You know, so it is. And it's a bit like, you know, inheritance tax. I mean, inheritance tax, you know, you have to pay it within six months of the person dying. And you can't pay it by selling the assets of the house of the person. You have to come out of the cash yourself, which is, is pretty grim, really. But it's fair enough if you've made a big gain in your lifetime and build up wealth, you should pay tax on some of that. But as far as stamp duty, it's wrong. You should change it to something else. Yeah, yeah, it's, it is a bit of a strange one. It seems like the market has just priced that in, you know. It's not really, um, I'm not really sure what it's doing. But is, is tax uh, necessarily a bad thing or, you know, is it good because it means you're making money? It means you are actually making money. We don't want to avoid it in that if you owe it and it's for a service, like your rates on your house, the rates on your house, pay for your bins and all that sort of stuff. So you've got to pay those things. You've got to pay your social commitments. But paying for stamp duty, I don't think it is a correct thing, and it's just the way the government is just doing us over to get money. But overall, paying tax is a good thing. 
it means being part of a productive society and earning good money. Yes, good. That's it. And as you know, as far as most of us go, why do we purchase property? Well, we you know we purchase property to build or improve our wealth, whether that's income now, retirement, or some sort of as you get older and you have kids, some leave some sort of legacy for the children. So it's important that we try and keep as much of that as possible. Um, so should we maybe go through those taxes one by one and look at some of the different angles or some of the different things you can do to try and keep as much of your hard-earned as possible? Of course, that'd be a good idea. Which would you like to start with? Hmm. I think perhaps IHT, inheritance tax. Um, so I was watching your market wrap from uh, last week. Is it up? It's, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's up. I mean, at the time of people listening to this, it will be up because this is, of course, Monday. But at the time of recording, it's only up for, um, for you and I, for APW people. It's going live in 26 minutes. But, um, but I was watching the rap and, you know, you're saying you, you pay 40% on anything over 650,000 uh, £650, uh, pounds. a combined allowance of a married couple. So if, for example, you have four properties at 450k, which is, um, is not inconceivable, you know, with the, the way, you know, if you're buying property now and you've got them for 20 years, a 450,000 uh, for £100,000 property will probably be the average. So you've got four of those. Um, you would have around a million pounds worth of IHT liability, which at 40% is £400,000. And more if one of the spouses, that's a joint marriage, that's a marriage couple's allowance. Yeah. Of course, they're both, they're both going to die at the same time to the same second. But if one dies first and then the other, then what happens is that both allowances, there's no tax to unique between the spouses, unless you're a non-domicile spouse, and then you get a much smaller allowance. You don't get you don't get um, the same as a British person. I think you only get about 150,000 quid. So if you've got non-domicile spouses, then your allowance, you can pass your children's a lot less. And so if you think about it, unless both people die exactly at the same time, and that can be proved, then you're tax liability is going to be messed up. Do you understand? Yeah, I do understand. That's obviously, that example is based on people buying, uh, dying at the same time, even, which is, I mean, is very unlikely, isn't it? I mean, I would have thought so. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, uh, my, my parents have been died years apart. So what you do is everything passes to one spouse, to the spouse, then that spouse dies, and you only get one allowance, you don't get two. Okay, well, there we go. All right, so what can be done providing um, assuring that both parents die at the same time? Um, you can well, as soon the- as one dies, you've got to run over to the other and do that one as well. So they both die exactly at the same time. Yeah. But or you if you want to do that, that together, but does that yeah. count? You, take, you ship them over there together? I'm not even sure that's not counted as um, suicide. So whether you'd actually get insurance payouts on that, I doubt it somehow. But basically what you, you have as far as inheritance tax planning is, okay, I can gift my stuff away. So I can give my stuff to my, my kids. If you do that, you give away all rights. So you can't get any rental income from it and you can't control what's going on. So that could be quite a bad thing because, you know, I've seen some of the women that you've been out with mm-hmm. and I'm not sure if I'd like them to be uh, inheriting any of my money. No. So 
Therefore, I don't want to just gift it away, but you can do. But if you do gift it away and it's got a mortgage on it, you've got to get the approval of the lender to make sure they're happy with you giving the mortgage to someone else. They might say, well, that person can't afford the mortgage. It's a chargeable event, perhaps under stamp duty guidelines as well. So the government will jump in and take their better stamp. So altogether, you can do that. It's not great. So you can put it into trust. Put it into trust is much better because it means you can be a trustee. You can control what goes on with the money. So if I don't like the person you're going out with or even marrying, then I can say, no, that person is not allowed any interest in this trust. The benefit is I can still be getting income from it because the trustee, as a trustee, I can be paid. So it's a lot more controlled, but at the same time, you still have the same mortgage issues, stamp duty issues, and so on. So it's not that, not, not that brilliant. So the best one is the third, which is really SPVs, special purpose vehicle, single purpose vehicle. Basically, buy the property through that. Don't buy it after, because if you buy it first and then put it into an SPV, you'll pay again, potentially stamp due to mortgage issues. So the SPV. After what? Capital gains tax. There'll be capital gains as well. Yeah. So doing through an SPV means basically you can hold the, hold the property in there. It um, deals with your income tax in that there isn't any income tax on it. You actually pay corporation tax, which I believe is either 18 or 19%. 19. On top of my head. 19, is it? Hmm. Um, but you pay that straight off the bat from the start. So you don't get any £10,000 allowance, which is not great. Um, but so constantly- there are a lot of things you can you can deduct from that can't you? you can deduct your mortgage interest expenses which is something you can't do well you can in private but it's only 20% relief now it's not the full relief so you can do that which is probably some of your biggest costs of running a you know if you have a property limited company um, you can deduct all most of your costs and expenses related with running that business so I think even though you're taxed straight away you know actually you can probably you know, duck most of the costs and the mortgage uh, expenses, all of that off there. So you're not really going to be paying tax on much at all. So um, it's a beneficial way to go, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, back in the day, Myra's mortgage interest relief at source was a brilliant um, thing. Wasn't That's it? what made yeah. by, the buy-to-let market work. So doing it through a company and still getting Myra's is a fantastic thing. And I believe the reason it's been left in is because and people say, oh, you know, the government will get rid of that. I don't think they will because it, the government wants to, the HMRC wants to have people owning through companies so it's transparent. And that was one of the questions one of my clients came up this week. He says, oh, it sounds a bit dodgy, only through a company. Um, but, you know, it's not because HMRC actually, for example, with Get Ground, they went in the, in the first round of funding that Get Ground went out to, get people to put money into their, their new company format, the HMRC came in and helped fund GetGround, which is yeah. a sign that they want SPVs to own property, not people to do it direct. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, okay. Going off piece a little bit, you know, how you're saying you might not really like some of the women I've gone out with. Uh, I don't know if you saw it recently, but um, Daniel Craig in the news said that he plans to spend all of his children's inheritance, um, obviously before he can give it to them. And then off the back of that, there's been a lot of other articles in the papers and um, 
on social media and stuff like that talking you know people get opinion pieces people giving their opinions about that about people spending their inheritance and stuff like that so I just um thought maybe and you know what do you think about that is that going to be a bit more of a increasing trend do you think people spending inheritance so they're not giving kids a silver spoon so to speak or is that more a problem with um famous people and celebrities would you say as opposed to your average um yeah, average well, I think street. I think it's just, you know, it's a celebrity. I mean, it's probably not even true. It's probably taken out of context. But I mean, the way that it's going, if you've got houses at £450,000 today in the UK for an average house buy, you know, what's it going to be in 10 years? It's probably going to be £700,000. And so in 10 years' time, okay, with the effect of inflation, I rode that way. But you'd be looking at £200,000 deposit. The bank of mum and dad is going to be the only way a lot of these children today are going to be able to get into the marketplace. And so I don't believe that Daniel Craig, I don't know how many kids, he's got many kids, you know? Yeah, I was reading about it. He's got one 20-something, which is from his first wife, and then he's got two two with his current wife, I think, that are teenagers or younger, so three. Yeah. But Elton John said the same, you know, and... He said he's going to spend the spend the inheritance, but um, leave them so they've got enough. But I mean, obviously, enough at that level is an awful lot of money. Still, I, I would have I would have thought. But um, anyway, I just want to get your opinion on that. Let's go back to um, to the company stuff. So, what if you in so so we looked at the taxes and you know the uh, stuff that's deductible through the company, which is on your income tax or your corporation tax. So what about uh, the benefits of uh, sort of mitigating inheritance tax and that sort of stuff um, within a company? You know, let's talk about making kids directors or shareholders or class B shareholders um, or whatever it may be so that we can transfer ownership of the properties and the company to them without actually having to pay, you know, those transfer and buying Taxes, such as capital gains, stamp duty, all that sort of stuff. Well, basically, you own a company in your own name and your partners, perhaps. You would own all the shares in that. As you bring your children on board, you could give them the capital owning shares so they can basically take over the ownership of the company, but you could keep the income shares so you could be paid an income from it or vice versa. you can sell the shares to the kids and the kids then pay you a monthly payment for the shares. And if they do that, that will be tax-free in the UK guidelines. So there's lots of different ways of creating income, changing ownership and getting rid of the inheritance tax liability using those approaches. But it is really important that you do get a, um, a proper accountant on board to make sure it's done correctly at that stage. And, you know, there are very many good ones out there which we can introduce you to. It's just a case of do it properly and it will be okay. But you can mitigate inheritance tax. You can mitigate income tax to a certain extent. Capital gains tax is a bit more difficult, but you can minimise that. So NSPV is the way to go. Yeah, and I think that's a good point. You know, speak to a professional. It, um, I don't know, I think... People may think it sounds expensive, you know, speaking to a tax advisor or an accountant or whatever, but it's not, you know, a lot of a lot of tax advisors and, and people like that, professionals, 
will speak to you for free, you know, and do a consultation and look at your situation and make suggestions. And it's only then once suggestions are made, okay, well, maybe we set up a company and we use it for holding future properties, all that sort of stuff, then they can help you with that. And there's a fee associated with that, obviously, but seeking the proper advice and getting the advice um, on potential structures and stuff like that doesn't cost money, you know, so it's a good thing to do. It's the five Ps or the six Ps if you're, um, if you're rude or Australian, uh, but the five Ps normally proper planning prevents poor performance. That's true. Uh, but you should do that. I mean, I've spoken to clients in the Middle East. I spoke to one lady who was actually a lawyer and she had not taken the correct advice and had just run in willy-nilly and bought a property in her own name and it's going to give her a huge tax liability. You know, if you're returning to the UK, I spoke to a gent yesterday, he's going to return to the UK, he's earning about £140,000 between him and his spouse. You know, on top of that, we've got a property generating another twenty-five. He's going to be fully taxed 45% on all the property's uh, income, all the uh, rental from it. If you do it through a SPV, that wouldn't be the case, be much less. Yeah. So, so that's the thing. Depends where you're going to end up. If it's back in the UK, then definitely think about it. Non-domicile spouse, definitely think about it. Not going back to the UK, not going to have much of an income, consider it. But yeah, speak to, I mean, Robert Jackson at BTMR, they're a good accountants in Manchester. There and are will give you a, others out there. A, and there are others out there, but he will give you a, you know, a free telephone call and chat about it. So do it, get it planned. The other thing you can do to do with the tax, inheritance tax, for example, is take out a life insurance policy in trust that in is trust. just for the interest that is just for the payment of your uh, inheritance tax duties. What this happens if not, it's not in trust? If it's not in trust, it'll go straight into your uh, overall estate and that'll be taxed as well. Oh, not. <laughs> okay. All right, then. Well, look, I think, I think we should wrap it up there. That's been quite a nice little explanation and chat through and guys if you want any more info on that you can check out last friday's uh, research brief our weekly research brief where we bring you some new ideas and concepts and things we've been exploring and discussing and looking at during the week last week's was a bit more on tax and and all that sort of stuff uh, you can check out the wrap as well which had a bit more info on it um what else can people do stuart what you know if people want to find out more info where can they find it um, I mean, the HMRC website has got good explanation on how all the taxes work. So that gives you a clear picture. Um, as far as taking advice on what to do about it, I would come and talk to us. That's the answer. Yeah. Okay. And if people, if you don't like the sound of us and you don't want to talk to us, which I, I find strange if you're listening to our podcast, um, you know, go and speak to an accountant in the UK somewhere or just call them and speak to them from wherever you are, but do it on the phone. Um, but there we go. Look, we've got our property partners as well. Guys, if you want to go and subscribe to that, we'll send you updates, research and in information on a weekly basis. We've got our YouTube channel. We've got webinars, weekly educational videos, weekly market wraps and other things going up there. Uh, over and above that, I think that's everything. So for this week, I'd like to say um, a massive thanks to you, Stuart. Thanks for that. It was very insightful. Um, and thanks to myself, I suppose, and goodbye from me and, and goodbye from you. Any closing thoughts? 
Um, yeah, I think it is useful to look at tax because it's no point, you know, earning a, lo- a, a great deal of money. You know, as Rothschild said, it takes a great deal of wit and a great deal of time to make a great deal of money. And then it takes 10 times as much to keep it. So that is what tax planning is all about. Is I probably did that quote wrong, so sorry about that. But that's uh, what tax planning is all about, trying to hold on to the wealth you've built. And that's what we're trying to talk about here. So thank you very much. Thanks, Callum. Appreciate that. Cheerio. Chin-chin. Toodle-bit. Bye-bye.